Dr. Uh, Marianne, she just is amazing and um, just such a support. And the work that she's doing in Step by Step um, is just been amazing because there's so much sacrifice in this work. There's so much that has been poured into this work. There's so much, um, you know, intent that has been put in to make sure that something can be delivered at a quality level for all of our kids and communities near and far. So I just don't want to, you know, negate the opportunity to be able to um, edify her and the work that she does. The same person you see in these 15 minutes that is passionate about the program is the same person who assesses the kids, tutors, teaches teaches tutors, teachers, teachers, just all this, the same person, right? It's the same love and, and, and passion. And the thing that you mentioned at the beginning that you empower um, and, and encourage, I think is so powerful because I think it speaks to who you are as a person and that that's the part that people should connect to. And that's the part that people should realize needs the sponsoring and the support to continue this work in the world. So continue to do an amazing job. I um, stand for you and I just, you know, support you as much as, you know, as we can. Hi, thanks for tuning in to our Dyslexia Solutions podcast. I'm Dr. Marianne Sintron, founder of Step-by-Step Dyslexia Solutions. So I bring peace to parents by helping their dyslexic children read so that we can build their self-esteem, help them unlock their genius minds, and allow them to achieve success in school and in life. So the reason for this podcast is to interview parents of dyslexic children and we interview dyslexic adults, and I also talk from my heart. And the reason this podcast is important is we want to raise awareness of what dyslexia is so that you have knowledge, because knowledge is power. And we want to let you know that you're not alone in your situation. So thanks again for tuning in, and here we go with our special guest for the day. Welcome to Step-by-Step Dyslexia Solutions. This is our YouTube channel for Dr. Marianne Sintron. Thank you for joining us here today. What I like to do on this YouTube is sometimes share teaching tricks, but I often like to interview people. Um, I like to interview dyslexic adults, and I like to interview parents who have dyslexic children. And we do this for a couple of reasons. One is to raise awareness of what dyslexia is, and to empower you so that you know um, what some of the information is, and then also to for empathy, to let you know you're not alone in your situation. So we hope to give you some really good tips on these interviews. And today I have a very special new friend that I want to introduce you to. He is really a, a genius in my opinion, because he's a creator and he's a dyslexic uh, man who struggled with dyslexia during school. But when I met him, I immediately saw his genius. And that's what I want to do. I want to um, bring peace to parents' homes by helping dyslexic children read 
so that we can help build their self-esteem and unlock the genius within that child. So let me introduce to you uh, Dave Weber. Come on to our virtual stage. You can see he's a runner. <laughs> and, hi, Dave. And Dave is also a veteran, so we want to honor you for your service in the Navy. <laughs> Thank you for keeping, protecting our freedom. I really yeah, value sure, that. Sure. So, David, tell us, tell the audience a little bit about you, and um, and then I'm going to ask some very some targeted questions, so you don't have to tell them everything. Just give a good introduction. Sure. Um, basically, I I grew up um, not being able to read. Um, my reading comprehension was really low, and so it was difficult for me to study for in school, um, take tests. And by third grade, my self-esteem was already starting to take a big hit. And um, it was basically a downward slide from that point until, you know, I ended up luckily graduating high school. So that's sort of my dyslexia background. So you said by third grade, your self-esteem started dropping? Yeah, I I distinctly remember sitting in class one day in third grade and realizing that I had no idea what was going on, that I I couldn't... um, read well enough to even keep up in the class. And yeah, it was third grade. It was realization. Let me ask you, were your parents aware of what was going on? Um, I, not really. I, um, you know, I had my eyes tested many times and always had 2020 vision. And so I I was born in 1971. So, you know, this was late seventies, early eighties. And I was from a small town school where, you know, the term dyslexia wasn't even something that people used. So um, and I was a, you know, a nice kid. So that you just didn't, unless you had a, like a cognitive development issue where then you get one-on-one help or some sort of temper anger issue, then you get one-on-one help. But for kids like me, that just sort of, uh, didn't understand it. You just sort of slid through the cracks. So it was. Not okay. Crazy. And do you know if one of your parents had dyslexia? Um, I don't think either of them do. No. Okay. So in your case, it probably wasn't genetic. Probably not. Yeah. I don't think Let so. me ask you. Um, so how did you get involved with helping dyslexic children with your and tell the audience what your current project is? Yeah. So I um, after I got out of the Navy, I actually went to college for four years as well. Um, in between jobs, I started substitute teaching and I somehow got assigned to work one on one with a kid that needed extra help. And I was sitting there listening to him try to read and do his homework. And and it dawned on me that he was struggling exactly the way I was. And this was 10 years after I had graduated high school. I thought, wow, that's crazy that this middle school kid is still struggling with this. And so, and I knew at that time I still was, I still hadn't figured out really how to read well. Um, And so I, I, I majored in art in college, you know, because like the academics was difficult. Yes. Um, so I, I just decided that I wanted to figure out how I could help myself read and maybe help this you know kid read. And basically what I did is I approached it from an artist's point of view and I said, what don't I like about reading? And I realized that there's certain things just with the way it looked, that it was hard for me to track my eyes, to track the text. And so basically I just started experimenting with altering the way the um, text looked to make it easier to read. Um, and uh, one thing led to another and I decided to develop a piece of software that I could load a file into it and customize the way it looked and it would automatically format the text. And what happened was once I went through that process, I, it gave me a sense of empowerment. I realized that this thing that I couldn't control that was making me feel so 
you know, lower my self-esteem and make me feel dumb, essentially. I could take that black and white text and change it to whatever I wanted. So I, I like all of a sudden I was empowered and I had control over it. But then with the way that I could display it, it actually was easier for me to read. So I started reading more often. I wasn't afraid to try. And then over the course of several years of just practicing reading, like I read all the old classics like Treasure Island, um, Around the World in 80 Days, those sort of books, my reading actually started to improve. So it was first breaking down that emotional barrier um, and, and then, you know, reconstructing the text and then just practicing. You know, it's all about practicing for me is where the big breakthrough came through. So you're, so I've given you words that you were able to upload and put into different colors and sizes, but if someone were to give you a, a book that they wanted to read, you could just upload that book for them or, would they, had, buy, or would they buy your program and upload their own book? Um, if there was a specific file, um, I would need to get permission to load it for them, but I could definitely, if it's a text file, I can load it into my e-reader and they'd be able to read it. Okay. Well, tell the audience a little bit about your, um, the, the reading wheel. Yeah. So the reading wheel. So basically what like, so when I struggled with reading, I thought of reading as being the singular thing, you know, just being, um, reading. And I, I didn't, it was this black box. I didn't understand it. But once I started practicing reading, I, I realized that there was, there were several things that maybe were going wrong while I was reading. So basically I broke reading or eventually broke reading into nine different components. So the nine different components, um, you know, for example, our oral language, like you have to know how to speak the language to be able to read it, um, to be emotionally ready is another one. Um, and then you're like the, 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 the phonics, you know, that's an important thing. You have to be able to sound out words, um, your vocabulary, you have to be able to say the words and, and visual tracking and text fluency and syntax and comprehension and reward. So like what I realized was that as I'm reading different things would fail at different times. So for example, one day when I'm reading, maybe the text is too difficult for me. And so because I didn't understand the vocabulary of, of many of the words, like let's say I'm reading um, expository text, like a science assignment or something or social studies, maybe there's two or three words within a sentence that I don't understand. Now I don't understand that sentence. And if I skim over those, now all of a sudden I don't understand the paragraph and I'm lost, right? So in that particular case, it was the vocabulary. Maybe another day at another time, I'm just not emotionally ready. My mind is moving a thousand miles an hour and I can't settle down to read. So on that particular occasion, it's not that I'm stupid. I just was emotionally not ready to read. So what that did is when I started thinking of reading as these nine different components, what it did is it allowed me to be able to troubleshoot how to solve my reading problems. So um, it, it was like this sense of empowerment you know, that now all of a sudden, rather than having this black box called reading that I didn't understand, I realized that at any given time, it could be some, some one of the nine different components that's causing the problem. And then once I could identify each of the nine components, I came up with coping mechanisms, or that's what I called them for each of the different nine. So then if I get stuck, I can use that coping mechanism and get past it and then move on. Okay. And you know, what crosses my mind when you're sharing all this is how creative you are. And there's a lot of different creative ideas that people have, have out there, but there's so much resistance from the schools because they want everything research-based. And I just want to let the audience know that 
you know, I'm, I'm being trained in Norton Gillingham and I created a reading program that is research-based and um, there's gotta be room for other things. And what D- Dave is sharing is something extra that's gonna make reading fun for kids. So they'll need the intervention so they can come to me, get their intervention, but they go to him for extra reading. So instead of even watching TV or instead of getting on their little video games, Give them an opportunity to find the enjoyment of a different kind of a book. And this is where David can come in because he brings color and life to a story that normally the child wouldn't be able to read. And we always promote book on t- books on tape also. So the students are reading as they're listening. But this is really different. And I think people really need to uh, check out your site and see what it looks like because it, it's it's almost like a video game, but it's, it's a reading. So it's really making it fun. Um, and so why do you think making reading fun is so important? Well, I, I think it's important because like I said, with my example, um, or my experience, my reading improved when I read more often. And a lot of kids just don't read often. You know, I have a son that's 12, who's a decent reader, but he's reluctant to read because he says it's boring. You know, and I, I was reluctant to read because it made me feel stupid, right? So, you know, there are different reasons, but the key is you have to be reading regularly in order to um, improve your reading. And that's what, that's what worked for me. So my whole goal with my reading project is to provide different ways to present text so that it's fun and interesting and interactive for the kids, Um so that it engages, you know, their, um, their, their visually stimulating to them as well as presenting text in, in chunks of words that they can process. You know, a lot of kids, if you see a whole page of text, it's overwhelming. But when you break that down into something that's the size of a text message where it's literally a sentence or two sentences, that's something that they can manage and they can get through that. So what I'm doing with my e-readers is I'm just thinking about, um, you know, how – breaking text apart and saying, well, does it need to be displayed in smaller segments? Does it need to have um, different colors? Does it need to have some movement to it um, so that it's simulating the eyes differently? So I, I try, I have four different ways that I like to present text. And my, my goal is always to make sure that the reader is focusing on the text. You know, that to me, that's the big thing because, um, I really want people to become a better reader and I think they can. It's just sometimes it just needs to be presented just slightly different. And for I th- one thing that I found is for a lot of people who are, you know, have always been a proficient reader, when they see the stuff that I work on and the ways that I present the text, it's kind of scary to them because they don't understand why would you need that? But the thing they have to understand is take a step back and say, maybe that's the way it is for Dave seeing the black and white text, because it is when I see that text, it's scary. It's hard to read. Isn't that something? Yeah. And the interesting thing now is that now that I've been using my e-readers for so many years and training my eyes to track as I read and, and being very aware of it, I can read easily with, you know, black and white text or my e-reader. So it isn't like something that you become, or that, I, you know, I became dependent on what it did is that it just gave me a bridge, you know, mm-hmm. from hating reading and avoiding it to slowly, gradually bringing me back and training my eyes and training my mind, you know, there's attention span. Like, how do you, you can't go from having no attention span to all of a sudden being able to sit and read for 20 minutes. You know, it takes time. It's just like exercise. And so the more I practice, the better my attention span got and as well as my visual skills and my, you know, cognitive skills too. So So if somebody were to use your e-reader 
they don't just go online and use it. They have to actually interact with you and give you information of what they want put into your e-reader, correct? That's right. Right now I'm, I have, um, an e-reader app that I have some stories loaded in it that people could use, um, or, you know, read and practice using. Um, but what some of what, one of my goals is to try to get a, a, um, you know, a, some sort of contractor deal with a, a place like Scholastic Books, you know, where they have a lot of published books so that we can use the features of my e-reader with that. But if there's a teacher, for example, that has certain stories that they have, um, the ability to share the rights to that I could load it and format it for them. And then they can use it just with their students. That's fine, you know, because then they're not selling it. So I can customize any sort of text that they want um, to the different e-readers that I use or have made. Have you tried to take this to the schools? And if so, what kind of opposition have you faced? Is it what I've shared already or? Yeah. So I, I would say, um, <laughs> The, the the students that have done what, the best with it so far are kind of the ones that have already gone down the traditional path and they've tried all of the regular intervention and the kids still don't get it. So I'm kind of the group that works best with my program or the kind of, you know, where they, they just need something extra. The teacher just doesn't understand that, you know, they've, they've tried everything that they know and then they're like, I just can't get him to read. He just doesn't like to read. Um, I think he, he's got the skills, but so I, I, I mean, I do get some resistance, you know, from teachers for that, but it has to be the right student. Um, and I would say that if it's a student that um, either wants to read or is reluctant to read, um, but, you know, they've already, they're doing their phonics training, you know, all their regular training, but then they, there's just some missing piece, you know, and, and that's where I would say give my program a try because of the way that it presents a text and um, it really helps calm them and, and make it visually, you know, more stimulating for them. It's just, you know, with technology, what we're able to access these days and with kids getting burnt out with Zoom, it just seems like a nice way to keep them engaged in academics mm -hmm. and teach them to love reading. So, David, why don't you share what are some closing thoughts you want to tell parents so that they could reach out to you and how can they reach you? Well, I would say the, the first thing I'd want to tell parents, if you have a son or daughter with dyslexia, is I, the one thing that, that, you know, the biggest hurdle for me was I always felt really terrible about myself. So I would say the first thing is find something that your child is good at doing and make sure you compliment them. Make sure that they know that there's something in this world that they're good at because they're not getting it from reading. And in fact, it's demoralizing them probably and making them feel terrible. So I would say, you know, whether it's a, a hobby that they have or some sort of skill that they have, I would say make sure as often as you can, you point out and you let them know you're good at this and I'm proud of you for that um, because they're going to need a lot of boosting up to get their reading back up to speed. I would say that, um, yeah, and if, if, if you know, you're, you're, you've tried a lot of different avenues and you just want to try something different, you know, feel free to follow the link to my website and get a hold of me. And I'll, you know, I'd love to collaborate and do something with anyone. What's the what name I of have. your website? It's uh, roverreader.com. R-O-V-A reader.com. Rova Reader. Rova Reader. And yes. you know what I think is really exciting? We're learning that um, there's four areas where dyslexic people really excel in. And one is in the arts. And that's what you've taken to heart. Even though you went to college, you studied the arts. And then there's engineering, entrepreneurialism, and architecture. So uh, the fact that you have taken 
your gift and your strength and, and done something in the arts and t- linked it to education. I think that's just so commendable. Yeah. Thank you. Thank okay. you. Okay. So we're going to wrap it up and um, thank you, David, so much for the information. And I hope you get a lot of people reaching out to you on your website. And again, I'm Dr. Marianne Sintron with Step-by-Step Dyslexia Solutions. If what we have shared has inspired you, please consider going to our website and making a donation because we're a nonprofit and we will keep these messages going forward. I want to say goodbye now and thank you for tuning in. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast in its entirety. If what we shared today has inspired you, would you please visit our website, dyslexia-solutions.com and consider making a donation so that we can keep these podcasts going. Also, please subscribe to our channel and find me on, on Instagram, Marianne Sintron. Thank you again for tuning in and may God bless you.